Hey there, Mama. If you want to raise empowered kids who actually listen while parenting biblically, you're in the right place. Not only does this podcast help you strengthen their spiritual gifts and walk in purpose at a young age, but it also teaches you how to parent with intention. Welcome to the Generation on a Mission podcast, where we focus on fostering our children's leadership skills so they can become world changers. Hi, I'm Michelle Schaff, former classroom educator turned parent educator, blogger, and podcaster, all while changing dirty diapers, drinking lukewarm coffee, and leaning on Jesus. Grab your headphones, whip out the tata, and start feeding your baby. We've got some learning to do. Happy Friday! I've never met you on a Friday before, so welcome to the Friday version of Generation on a Mission. Now, if you remember last time in episode 30, we talked about the first three ways that we can use the word how to guide our conversations with our little ones to help them become more self-aware, more communicative, more empathetic, and more independent thinkers, meaning that they don't need mom or dad to help them solve every single problem. They learn how to come up with solutions to their own problems because you've taught them how to work through it. You've guided that conversation in helping them work through these things that they just think they can't get through. Now remember, when we jump in and we solve the problem for them, then they aren't learning how to do that themselves. So we're going to create a world of problem solvers and people who come up with solutions. We have to help them think outside the box and we have to help them generate ideas as to how to solve problems and that comes through modeling and conversation and then the more you model it and converse with them about that the more they're able to take that on and do it themselves as they grow and develop which is really awesome isn't it I totally think so so in episode 30 we talked about teaching them how to problem solve and how do we do that when they get stuck naturally we want to be their problem solvers because we're their moms and that's what our innate nature is to do but instead we go to them and we just ask them man I noticed you're really struggling with putting that piece where it's supposed to go or I noticed you're really struggling that that tower is having a hard time staying up how do you think we can solve that problem what steps can we take to solve this problem and overcome it so that way it gets better and I will say even the other day I did a lesson with my three-year-old and I failed (laughs) I failed because brother kept getting in the way and I didn't plan it in the best way that I should have and so I even talked about that with my kiddo I said man I planned a lesson and it was frustrating because it did not go as planned and it was not successful but how I learned to overcome it was I I identified my problem which was brother kept getting into it and I found a solution even though I was like mentally prepared that he was going to get into it it's like I still did it anyway (laughs) you know those moments where you like know you shouldn't do something but you do it anyway just to see if like you prove yourself right yeah that's what happened (laughs) and I talked about that with my preschooler and I said I that was one of my problems and the other problem was we actually made a boat out of foil and toilet paper which was a terrible idea I should have used paper towels which was also a terrible idea the sales were not good and so the boat kept capsizing and so when we talked about failing I said man our problem was our boat kept capsizing how do we fix it how are we supposed to fix it and we overcame that solution together and he even said I think we need to put more foil on the bottom and I'm like yes that would be a great idea it was all about learning and failing and modeling that for my kiddo and he was able to see that I was frustrated but we thought of a solution to overcome it so that way we wouldn't be frustrated the next time we did it and it was actually really enlightening to see the next thing we talked about last episode was teaching them how 
how to understand their own feelings. Like when something they don't like happens to them, asking them, how did that make you feel? The more they are aware of how they feel, the more they will be able to sense that when they are starting to feel a certain way and the more able they are to come up with solutions to overcome those feelings as well and work through those emotions. Not saying that we need to shut down those emotions. What we're saying is we need to recognize how they feel so we can find solutions to work through those feelings and the right coping mechanisms as opposed to hitting and kicking and throwing. They need to know how they feel before they can accept how they feel and find ways to work through those emotions. And that goes with positive emotions as well. Like, oh my gosh, you clean up your room. How does that make you feel? Do you feel proud? Do you feel happy that you did that? Do you wish that you would have never done it at all? I would not say that, but just an example of helping them become aware of what things make them feel certain ways so they know how to get through those situations the next time or they can hone in on those times when they know that what they're doing is making them feel really good and they're more likely to keep doing it, which drives that intrinsic motivation. The last thing we talked about was teaching them how their actions impact others and that is so important when it comes to building empathy. We need to teach them to ask, how can we make the situation right? There is more than one way to make the situation right and we need to teach them that it's okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to make the same mistake over and over again, but how can we make it right with the other person? How do you think the other person feels and how do you think we can help them feel better? How can we spread kindness to them to make it up to them? And now we are ready to dive into the fourth way of how we can help grow our kiddos to become independent, empathetic problem solvers and thinkers. And this one is a big one. And this is we need to teach them how to communicate kindly. Yes, our kiddos are great at communicating their feelings, especially when they are upset, but they don't know how to do it effectively. So it's our job to help them learn how to communicate what they are feeling effectively. And this is so important. And if I may say so myself, we need to think about ourselves and ask our own selves, like, how are we at communicating? Do we just shove our problems into a closet and wish they never came about again? Do we avoid confrontation at all costs? Are we modeling the type of communication that we want our kiddos to emulate themselves? That's a question that only you can answer, but something I'm always working on, and my husband and I have this talk all the time, is how are you communicating with those with whom you don't agree or when things frustrate you? And that's something that we need to evolve ourselves on all the time every single day. But I feel like in this world that we're living in currently, communication and empathy are just two essential things that are missing. So in my opinion, like I said previously, we need to hit that hard with our kids so they can do better than us. And of course, we also need to make it a priority ourselves. We need to remember and teach that it's okay to disagree, but we have to teach them that we need to communicate that appropriately and use empathy along the way. And that's all I'm saying, you know? And when I'm talking communication, I'm talking about sharing how we feel, expressing things we want or don't want in a respectful way, telling someone to stop doing something we don't like. And I'm gonna also throw in there how to express, how to communicate that we're not even ready to share. Those are all things that we need to be teaching our kids how to communicate or how to even disagree with someone in an appropriate way. That is so 
important, especially as they trek through the school years, because a lot of times kids solve problems with their hands when they are in grade school, and that's no way to solve a problem. We need to teach them how to politely disagree and work toward a common solution or respectfully disagree and move on. So when my preschooler has his learning moments, aka issues, in our house with using his hands instead of his words, we don't teach him to communicate by saying, use your words, and we don't say calm down because those are not effective techniques and they do not show empathy and will not help your little one overcome his emotion. Instead, in our home, we teach that it's okay to have feelings, but we need to express those feelings in a kind or safe way. And the same goes with letting us know if he wants something. I personally don't tolerate, where's my milk? If my preschooler asks for it in a way that's bossy, or if he says, I want my plate, is my plate ready? No, no, that's not going to fly with me. He knows that it's okay to want things, but he also knows that he needs to ask in a kind way. So when he says things in a bossy or demanding way, I will politely say, it's okay to want things but how do you ask kindly, you know, or (laughs) we're much more likely to get what we want when we ask in a kind way, things like that. Or I will tell him, your bossy voice is out again. Ask me that in a kinder way, please. (laughs) But I typically ask how, how can you ask that more kindly? Because that puts the ownership back on him. That's not me telling him how to do it. That's me asking him, how do you think you should ask? And that gets his wheels turning on how he should respond. Moving on. It's okay our kids don't want to be played with or don't want to give hugs. We have got to stop controlling their actions. That's their right if they don't want to give a hug. That's their right if they don't want to play with a friend at a specific moment. What's not all right is that they communicate that in an unkind way, but they don't know how to express that. So it's up to us to teach them how. Instead of them reacting in a negative way and you say, wait a minute, we shouldn't be doing that. That's not how you talk to grandma. We say, okay, I understand you don't want to give a hug, but how can you communicate that more kindly? We don't want to force them into situations that make them feel uncomfortable. But take for instance, when somebody does something for them that's kind, we still need to teach them how to communicate that they appreciate when that person does something for them, but we need to teach them how to do it in an appropriate way. And we also need to do that if they want to be left alone. We can't just say, oh, you know, we're leaving grandma's right now. Give grandma a hug. Tell her you love her or let Johnny play with you because that's the right thing to do. That's not allowing them to become independent thinkers. We have to teach them how to communicate their feelings. So here is an example. Your preschooler might not want to share his toys. And instead of telling him to share, which tells him exactly what to do and forces him into a situation that he may not like or be ready for, we teach him that it's okay to not want to give up your toys, but we have to communicate that in a respectful way. So we teach that by saying, I understand you're not ready to give up your toy. I get that, but how can you tell your friend that in a kind way? Or how do you think we can make him feel included if you don't want him playing with your toy? Or if you want to be left alone, how can you express that to him? Say, it's not you. (laughs) It's not you, it's me. No, (laughs) You say, I'm just not ready to play right now with somebody. I'd rather play alone. And that's okay for us to teach our kids how to say that. But this leaves the opportunity for your kiddo to come up with a solution like, oh, I can put my toy down and we can play something else together. Or he might say, I'm not ready to share my toy. Can you please wait until I'm done? Or I'm just not ready to play right now. Is there another toy you can play with until I'm ready? But again, it's up to us to teach them what that looks like before we just say to them, now you need to be kind say that more kindly. We have to teach how that sounds and what that looks like when we are communicating kindly. Another example is showing appreciation. We don't just want to tell our kids to say, 
thank you. Like when mommy cooks you lunch, say thank you. You need to say thank you and show your appreciation. When we tell them to say thank you, they don't know why they're saying thank you. They're just running through the motions of saying it so they can move on to whatever the next task is. It's not a meaningful exchange if you're forcing them to show their appreciation. Like how many times do you say, say sorry, and they're like, sorry. Oh, say it like you mean it. I'm sorry. Say thank you. Thank you. Now say it like you mean it. Thank you. Like there's no difference. They don't know. So instead we can say, hey, it was really nice of dad to cook us dinner. How can we show our appreciation? And typically with my kiddo, it, it is a thank you for making dinner. And it sounds sincere. That's the good part about it. He, he means it. And sometimes we don't even have to ask. He'll just randomly say, thank you, dad, for cooking dinner. Or he'll say, mm, this food looks delicious. And I'll say, oh, thank you. That shows me that you appreciate what I just did for you. I appreciate that compliment. But for instance, if you're at grandma's and he doesn't want to offer a hug and you still want him to show appreciation that she let you come over and she cook you dinner, you can say, I totally get that hugging isn't your thing right now. But grandma still wants to know that you appreciate what she did for you and that you love her. How can you show that you love her? And he might offer a high five or in a simple I love you. But this teaches him that there is more than one way to show appreciation and love than by forcing hugs and thank yous. And that's important when it comes to raising independent thinkers. They have to learn how to recognize when people deserve appreciation and how to express that appreciation in their own way. When our three-year-old is upset, he runs to his room and reads a book and he even tells us, I'm running away. Like as he's running, I'm running away. It's the funniest thing. He knows that reading helps him to calm back down and he's able to communicate with us. I chose a book to read because that makes me happy. And sometimes when I open the door to see if he's ready, he'll say, I'm not happy yet or I still need some space. And this is because we've gone through a screaming phase where every time we opened the door, he would just scream at us. And each time we asked him, how can you tell me that you're not ready yet? How can you tell me that you need more space in a kinder way? And it took time and repetition, but it works. And sometimes my preschooler has a hard time transitioning to another activity when he's in the middle of reading a book or when he's doing a task. And he has learned to say, I'm not ready yet as he wraps up reading his book. And then he closes the last couple pages and says, okay, now I'm ready. And we were able to see that because the first time I'm like, no, it's time to eat dinner. What are you doing? Let me throw a book. Okay, well, I have to agree with him on this one. I can't just like tell him to stop reading the book in the middle of the book if that's like really interesting to him. So he says, mom, can I please finish reading the book and then I'll come eat dinner? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That's perfect. When we teach our kids to communicate as opposed to just telling them, close the book, it's time to eat now. It allows them to express themselves and their desires as opposed to forcing you into a power struggle because they are just screaming no at you and then you're yelling back at them and then offering consequences. Our goal here is to get them to communicate their feelings effectively. They can still be kind about it, but it's up to us to teach them how to do that. All right, the next thing, number five, the next thing we need to do is teach them how to learn about themselves when they're feeling emotions or even when they make mistakes. Our little humans make big mistakes without even knowing it sometimes. It's up to us to help them learn from their mistakes, but how do we do that? We have a conversation about what happened, what they did, why it wasn't okay, and what to do differently next time. The perfect question to address that is, how can you learn from your mistake? It's as simple as that. Sometimes mistakes are bigger than others and sometimes the mistakes aren't actually mistakes because it's purposeful or they keep doing it over and over and over again. But we always need to ask, how can we learn from this moment? 
whether it was a mistake or a lapse of judgment or a time when they didn't use self-control, there's always something to learn from those moments. So take this morning, for instance, my preschooler is currently working on addressing his younger brother in a kind way when his brother does something he doesn't like. This morning, instead of responding in a way that we've talked about before, like asking his brother kindly to not take the marker or asking me to help with the situation, he chose to grab it from his hand and aggressively say, I was using that and knock him over. So we took some time to remove my preschooler from the situation and talk about how he can learn from that moment and respond differently next time. And I'm not talking about how to make it right with his brother. I'm talking about how to learn how to become aware of his own emotions and how he's feeling so that way he can stop that from happening the next time and learn how to handle the situation before it even starts. So we talked about how he can respond by saying, I don't like that you took the marker out of my hand and then say, I would like it back, please. If that does not work, then he knows to come get me for help since his brother is still learning. It's great to tie in how they can learn about themselves during a moment when they make a poor choice. If they can't pinpoint it, it's absolutely okay to guide them in that conversation by saying, I see you getting frustrated when your brother is around. Do you notice any changes happening inside your body when he starts coming around like you feel like you want to hit or scream or throw? When you start to feel those, that's your body's way of telling yourself that you're getting angry. What do you think you should do when you start to feel your body getting angry so that you can stop yourself before you hit your brother? We need to teach them to recognize those moments and how to respond to them so that way they know how to be prepared when those moments happen. And they will happen again. So we have to teach our kids how to work through that. Another example, if your kiddo has zero self-control when it comes to playing with a baseball bat and they just want to hit everything inside because they're so excited, teach them to recognize that. Don't just tell them to stop hitting everything in sight. Make it a conversation that can go something like, I notice you like to hit everything when you have a baseball bat in your hands. How are you feeling when you hold a bat? Are you feeling excited and you just want to swing at everything? If that's the case, walk them through what to do when they're feeling that excitement. I totally get that. I like to swing baseball bats too. You like to swing when you get excited. What should we do to help you remember that when you pick up a bat, you're going to be excited, but you can only hit the ball on the tee. Let's come up with a plan and practice that. And that way, when you do that, they will learn to be prepared with strategies to stop themselves from hitting everything around them, even though they're super excited and may lack that self-control. This is so important. We also need to ask ourselves as adults as well, just like any of these things that we're teaching our kids, we need to ask what we can learn from our mistakes as well as parents. I know that I lose patience when I try to do lessons with my one-year-old and my three-year-old at the same time. So I have to learn how to come up with different activities for them at the same time. And I have to learn how to adapt or do an activity with my three-year-old that's not happening at the same time as my one-year-old. And I have to learn that that makes me lose my patience. So I have to figure out what I can do about that so that way I don't lose my patience anymore because it's not going to be effective when I lose my patience. Or if I get bothered by the fact that my one-year-old always wants to be held when I'm cooking dinner... That's what I need to learn how to overcome. I need to learn that, oh man, I really get frustrated when my kiddo is asking me to hold him the entire time I'm cooking dinner. So what do I do? I have to come up with a solution to solve that problem. What can I learn about myself? I know that I get impatient, but instead of yelling about it to my one-year-old, no, I can't hold you. I can't hold you. Stop asking me to hold you. I need to figure out something that he can do while I cook dinner. So typically, 
like he's eating a snack in his high chair or he's doing some sort of activity that's independent for himself. We have to remind ourselves that we are constantly refining ourselves and we need to ask ourselves and our kids constantly, how can I learn more about myself so that I don't make the same mistake again? What can I learn from this moment? It's difficult, but I think once we learn to master that in ourselves, we can help our kids master that as well at a young age. All right, the last thing we need to teach them how to do is to explain what they know, how they know something. And this, this is so important when it comes to building metacognition and you're like, ooh, that's a fancy word. <laughs> yes, it is. Metacognition is a fancy word for knowing about what you know. It's understanding how you come to a conclusion and that's an important skill to have when it comes to being prepared for school because it's asked all the time and probably more than it should be if I'm being honest, but I'm just throwing that out there. I'm going to tell you that your little ones will obviously not know the reason behind how they figured something out, but it never hurts to ask and expose them to that and model that conversation for them and with them. Model it in front of them for yourself as you learn to do new things as well. So that way they are used to the structure of how that conversation goes. As they are exposed to it more, they will learn to use that conversation to figure out how they came to that conclusion on their own. So when it comes to modeling, this can be something as simple as, oh man, that stove is hot. How can I tell the stove is hot? Oh, I know, it's because there is steam coming from the pot of water. That's how I could tell the stove is hot. Or I will say, oh, I can tell the stove is hot because it says hot right on the top of the stove. That way they know how to recognize when the stove is hot. Just talk about life out loud all around you and your little one will pick up on it. And I know they will start to use that as they develop and increase their vocabulary. So if your little one is starting to tell you things that they know, just ask them, wow, how did you figure that out? How did you know that? So for instance, if they tell you that mom starts with M instead of saying, yes, it does respond with, how did you figure that out? And if they can't, pinpoint how they figured it out, ask more in-depth questions. What sound does M say? Does M say, mm? Is that the sound you hear at the beginning of the word? Yes, we figured it out. The same goes for if they're learning how to sound out words and they tell you, this word is pot. Respond with, how do you know it says pot? Don't just say, yes, you're right. Wow, that says pot. You can still say, wow, you read that. How did you know it says pot? And this helps with building independence because they aren't constantly coming to you to get their answers validated. When they are able to decide for themselves that they know the word says pot, for instance, because they used a strategy to figure it out, then that builds their confidence and they don't need to constantly depend on you to tell them whether or not it was right. They were able to decide what the word was themselves. And that's the same with any conclusion that they come up with. The more you allow them to self-confirm what they are learning and what their thought process is, the less likely they will depend on you to validate that for them. And you can also tie this into reading books when it comes to teaching them to learn emotions. It's always so beneficial to ask how they know how characters are feeling. If you can name a book with characters, there's probably someone in there who's feeling some type of emotion. So today we read Turkey Tot and the characters kept telling Turkey that he was crazy for all these ideas he kept coming up with. It's a cute book and it's great for teaching determination. So I asked, how is Turkey feeling when the other animals keep telling him he can't do something and that he was crazy since the day he hatched? And my preschooler responded with sad. So I asked, how did you know he felt sad? And he responded with, because he just looks sad, which is, you know, a good start for a three-year-old. So then I responded with my thought. I think that's a good way to know how someone is feeling sad. I think he's also feeling determined because I noticed that how he just keeps going back and keeps trying new ways to solve the problem. 
This validated that reading emotions on faces determines how a person is feeling, but I also modeled a different way to draw a conclusion on how he was feeling. And my preschooler will most likely not use that verbiage when asking how someone's feeling, and that's perfectly okay, but the more I model that for him, the more likely he will pick up on that and learn how to draw conclusions as he grows older. I could go on and on and on and on and on, but here are a few other examples of why how is such an important word. I'm just saying we should be using it every day in our own parenting as well because how is such a powerful reflective question. Not only are we constantly asking our kids how they should do things or how they can help others, but we should be doing the same for ourselves too. Yes, we can ask our kids how they can learn from their learning moments, but we can also find ways to learn about ourselves from those moments as well. For example, ask yourself, how did what just happened help shape me into being a better parent? If you just went through a temper tantrum, how did I show my kids I loved them today? How did I problem solve and show grit and determination in my own work or my own parenting? How did I help my kids grow and learn? How did I model patience, communication, forgiveness, or kindness today? How am I changing what I'm doing today to be a better parent than I was yesterday? All of those questions are great questions that help us grow as moms. Just in the same way we are helping our kids grow, as they become problem solvers who know how to communicate effectively and kindly with those around them. It's not easy. And I'm going to share something with you. Just the other day, I was grumpy as all get out and my kids were being kids. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back that day. They were just being kids. They had broken a handle off a drawer accidentally. You know, they were just curious and it just happened to break. But this was like the fifth thing that just broke that day. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> How? I don't know. But that's just what happened. And I just wasn't in a good headspace. And I yelled and I snapped because I wasn't as prepared for the day as I could have been. And I even like saw myself escalating. And I mentally told myself, I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't solving the problem. Stop, Michelle. Stop what you're ahead. And I proceeded to just watch things unravel in that moment. And I continued to snap anyway. And immediately after I yelled, I apologized. Like it was one of those things where I just got it out and then I had to remediate the situation immediately. And I told my son, I really need to work on not being grumpy in the mornings. And I told him my actions weren't okay. And he reminded me today, you're going to work on not being grumpy anymore, mama. Like it wasn't a question. That's just what he told me. I said, yes, that is absolutely right. But nothing is going to change if I don't sit down and figure out how to do that. So I had to reflect and I had to figure out how I was going to change so that I wasn't grumpy anymore when I woke up. You know, you got to reflect, move on and learn and make changes. And that is all what parenting is about. It's about reflecting and teaching our kids how to do the same so that we are all becoming better versions of ourselves every day. And once we get that down, our kids will learn how to become independent thinkers who are empathetic and communicative. And that, my friend, will lead to creating a world of change. I promise. So again, your challenge for this week is to continue to ask the word how when your child does something anything how think about how they can make the situation better think about how they can tell you what they know think about how they can communicate more kindly think about how they can dig a little bit deeper how how can i become better you want to ask it all how 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 so important and if you feel so inclined i just uploaded a turkey activity to the website generationonamission.com so be sure to check that out if you are needing activities for your little one and I'm going to set up to put out another one in the next couple days and they will love it and go gobble, 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 gobble all over it. So there's that. 
All right, Mama Friend, I hope you have a blessed week, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Real quick before you go, if today's episode made you laugh, learn, or love your littles a little more, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a written review for the Generation on a Mission podcast. If you're needing simple ideas to boost learning for your kiddo, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Michelle Shaw, S-C-H-A-U-F, or join our Facebook page at Generation on a Mission. See you next time.